0: Welcome to The Dental Brief, the world's direct, right-to-the-point podcast, produced to get you the information you need to learn and grow your practice. To learn more about our guests and find links to information discussed on our show, visit our website, dentalbrief.com. On to today's episode.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Brief. I have with me, back on the show today, Dr. Ronnie Brown. Dr. Brown, say hello.
0: Hi, Patrick. Hi, listeners.
1: Yeah, we're, we're grateful to have you back. Um, you know, our, I, our format of our show doesn't always um, lend best to um, some people and some of their topics. And, um, you know, there's so much that um, we could spend a day talking to you. Um, we want to encourage our, our listeners um, to reach out to you to check out your workshops, your webinars, your book. Um, but what I want to talk about today is the health history form. Um let's start with just give us a little recap of your history, um, how long you've been practicing dentistry, and then from there, kind of how did you start helping dentists um, with substance abuse or not that have patients with substance abuse issues?
0: All right. Um, so I'm a practicing dentist. I uh, currently practice at a medium security correctional facility in Northern California, and And um, I have a master's degree in public health. And during my master's degree, I kind of took some of my clinical observations uh, of treating patients who were detained at the facility, who had very significant substance use disorders, specifically methamphetamine use. And it had a very unusual pattern of decay, which is popularly known as meth mouth. And so when I went to get my master's degree, I did research on the impacts of drug use patterns and dental care access on the severity of meth mouth. And that research was then published. And then I went on to get a um, specialty in dental public health at the University of California, San Francisco. So I am a practicing dentist and my patient population, um, as I mentioned, is um, unfortunately heavily addicted. And that's what got me into not only understanding it but also realizing I had the opportunity to assist um, the dental team in understanding that they also have these patients in their practice. Yeah,
1: so you're, yeah, you're you're clearly an expert, right? I mean, you're you have experience on the clinical side of the patients. You have experience on the psycho of the psychology side of the patients. I mean, you're working on these extensive cases all the time, working on these troubled patients um, all the time. So I don't think there could be a better speaker that we could have on the show in regards to this subject. Um, in your book. And, you know, I haven't read the book, but in your book, I know that you talk about um, creating a health history form to help dentists identify um, a lot of different um, health issues, but specifically um, when it comes to drug abuse um, and addiction. So why don't you tell me a little bit about um, how you put that form together kind of what should a dentist have on that form? Let's start there, and then we'll jump into um, how to um, diagnose what that patient has filled out on that form.
0: Perfect. Well, you know, um, you know, for years, Patrick, I had the question on the health history form. You know, do you have a history of substance abuse? You know, yes or no. And I'll go into that in a second. But when I was doing my uh, research. I had to be able to capture patients who specifically had a methamphetamine use disorder. And so I wound up changing my health history form to not just do you have a history of substance abuse, yes or no, but if so, what type of drugs are you using? And that helped me to first kind of identify the population that I wanted to um, investigate. But by doing that, I realized it really helps to provide you with a lot more detailed information. Because if you just ask, do you have a history of substance abuse? And the patient says, no, you definitely feel a sense of relief. But if the patient says, yes, you kind of have put yourself in a communication conundrum because now you've actually positioned yourself to ask a very awkward question versus if you have the patient check off uh, drugs that they have used, it allows you to kind of guide the conversation in a lot of different ways without you having to do a fishing expedition. But I also realized uh, from some of the outcomes of my research that, Um, there's things that you need to know what to ask if the patient does, you know, report a history of substance abuse. You know, you want to ask, you know, how long have they used because duration of use will uh, provide you with information about some oral findings and their severity. Obviously the longer use you have longer exposure times, you're going to find more severe uh, oral impacts, specifically as it relates to caries. So you want to ask about, you know, duration of use. You want to ask about the last time of use. And that having that question will allow you to make a decision at that moment as to whether or not that patient potentially is under the influence and whether that patient should be rescheduled for care. Um, if someone's used methamphetamine within a forty-eight hour period of time, they still have in their system.
1: Sure. What do, you, what do you do in that case? I mean, what do you what do you talk with the patient about? What's your next steps? So this patient says, yeah, I'm, I'm high right now.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, really great, great question. And I do um, talk about in the book and also in the seminars about, you know, having really clear office policy, because when you don't have clarity around what to do, if a patient's under the influence, you're going to wind up treating that patient. And if you treat that patient who's under the influence, you um, are obviously treating them below the standard of care, but you're also putting them Um, you're jeopardizing their, their, their health and potentially their life. So having the office policy in place, but in that moment, it's really going to be, um, you know, letting the patient know that you cannot treat them, inviting them to reschedule, providing them for the reason why you can't treat them because they are under the influence talking about your ethical concerns, um, their safety concerns, and also, um, you know, asking them, you know, and letting them know that you care about them and that you're concerned about them. And can you tell me a little bit what's going on? But having an office policy in place provides you with the confidence to, and the clarity of what you need to do in that moment.
1: Yeah. And I'll tell you, you know, I lived in Seattle for five years, I live in a very affluent area, Queen Anne. Um, and when I lived in Seattle, my commute every day took me past this park that was, this was, you know, going back years ago, 20 years ago. And this park was an area that was kind of like a a red light district, if you will, where um, police wouldn't bother people buying and selling drugs and using drugs. And you would see people using uh, intravenous drugs right there in that park. And you would see, you know, you're, Stereotypical soccer mom pull up in the minivan and jump out and go in there, and you know while you're waiting at the light and come back, and she's buying heroin, right? And so this is the, the last person you can think of, right? The minivan driving mom from the suburbs is the last person you think of abusing heroin. So this problem's everywhere, right? This isn't just in a in a, a level two security prison in California. This is literally nationally. Um, let me ask you this: so outside of the clinical part of treatment, right? Outside of, hey, do we see this patient now? You know, is are they high? Um, is there a health issue? Could we, you know, cause a heart attack? Um, what are some things that they can do to connect in the community to also get a little bit of support for the dentist that further help their patients that are that are having substance abuse issues?
0: Is is the question um... What support can the dentist have or what support can we provide for our patients?
1: It's both. Right. Okay. So how can the dentist, what, what should they do or, can, you know, how could they possibly maybe reach out to um, addiction specialists in their area to build relationships, okay. to have places you know, where they can get more information themselves um, and then also you know, have referral sources for their patients.
0: Perfect. Okay. So um, if you go to the website Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration, it's called SAMHSA, there is a treatment locator on that website. Um, Any dental office can uh, enter into that website, their zip code, and they can conduct a search within a specified geographic radius, five miles, 10 miles, 15 miles from their practice. And it will populate all resources in the community that provide substance abuse counseling, and support, that can be the referral that they can then give to the patient. They also give the patient a number, which is 1-800-662-HELP, 1-800-662-HELP. And once again, if you give any patient that you're concerned about, that number on the other end of the call is a trained professional who can identify where that patient is on the continuum of abuse, dependency, and addiction, and can also direct them to resources in their community where they can get the help that they need.
1: And and Dr. Brown, you know, I have a marketing background. Um, I think reaching out to uh substance abuse experts in your area also creates maybe a potential referral source for you or a potential patient for you too, right? So that can make sense. But well, let's, let's jump back in. We talked a little bit about um the questions that you need to have on your health history form. We just touched on it. I know you have a lot in your workshops and your book about that. Um and then we talked just slightly about you know reviewing that form. Um and steps that they can take. Why don't you talk about, um, go into detail a little bit more about your workshop. What can, by attending your workshop, what what will a practice walk away with? What will a dentist have in their tool belt to use to help these patients um, after attending?
0: Perfect. Well, you know, my workshop is kind of structured. I call it the RCTs, not root canal therapy, but recognition, communication, and treatment. So you're going to f- learn how to first recognize the physical, the behavioral, the oral clues associated with substance use disorders with first that framework of what addiction is and what addiction is not. So we have to make sure that we all are kind of really understanding um, addiction as a, a disease and what that actually means. And then we talk about um Communication, and that's really a huge piece because I think that's a pain point for most uh, participants. What do you say? How do you say it? We talk about motivational interviewing strategies. We talk about how to manage the under the influence patient, how to manage drug seeking patients. And then we uh, dive into treatments. You know, how do we get from here to there? And um, participants will leave with a form I created called the Meth Mouth Treatment Plan Assessment Form. They'll leave with a copy of my book. They'll leave with health history forms and office policies. But more importantly, they're going to leave not only feeling competent, but confident. In their ability to help these patients who are in all of our practices. and I think um, empowered to know that as a profession, you know we treat millions of people every single year. and if we start having these conversations with all of our patients, not cherry picking who we think we need to have them with, but with all of our patients, not only can we uh, get around, but we might be able to get ahead of this epidemic that is um, uh, challenging families and friends and family and
1: patients. Yeah, that's well said. I have to imagine that if you become an expert at communicating with patients about substance abuse, that you probably build your overall leadership and communication skills in general. Would you agree with that?
0: I would. I would. And you know know what, Patrick, the thing that's interesting is, you know, when I first started working at the jail, I really didn't know what I was seeing. There was no research that I could really go to about it. I was uh, realizing that the paradigms I learned in dental school about, oh, this must be candy and soda wasn't applying. I had to ask my patients. And when they told me, uh, I said, what are you putting in your mouth? They told me it was methamphetamine. I had no idea what they were talking about. I thought it was some GNC supplement. And then sure. I would say, well, what is that? And so I learned by just, people want to talk about it. And I think we assume they don't, but they people are suffering in silence because no one wants to talk to them about it. Let people tell them their story.
1: Yeah, that's great advice. Uh, I want to encourage my audience to um, check out your website. It's drronniebrown.com. That's D R O R D R. R-O-N-N-I-B-R-W N dot com. Dr. Brown is laughing at me. I'm laughing at myself because I can't <laughs> something so, so correct. Dr. Ronnie Brown. No E anywhere in the domain name. So I've got that right. Um, Dr. Brown, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. It.
0: I appreciated the opportunity. We I've ha- I really enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to um, having much ha- having many more conversations with uh dental team members throughout this country.
1: Yeah, we appreciate it. And I'm sure the community does too. The, the fight that you're fighting is terrific. Thank you.
0: All right. Be well. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Did you know you can weigh in on today's topic on Facebook? Search The Dental Brief on Facebook or visit our website, dentalbrief.com, and just follow the link. We look forward to having you join us again on another episode of The Dental Brief.